are listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Magic and give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. Technology is not an expense, it's an investment. Look at what ThinkHR has done for our clients and even our team. It's an amazing product and I'm so thankful we have that. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Things are changing for us in 2021. Not all big business anymore. Now that we have Cover Wallet on our team, it's amazing that we're going to be able to write small business profitably. This is Power Producer Shop Talk production redefined are you ready to feel the power what is up power producers nation we are here for shop talk in parentheses the girly episodes kyle's out in dc this week i need to keep recording shop talk so that the well doesn't run dry and honestly um had the idea to bring Josh on and do some of these anyhow. So when Kyle gets back next week, we'll be back doing a, a, a three person version of shop talk, but I think everybody's going to get something cool out of it. Uh, before we get too ramped up in conversation, which typically gets ramped up pretty quick. I did want to mention for those of you that are agency owners out there, if you are not a member of the insurance agency owners Alliance, it's a large Facebook group with a little over 7,000 members. I highly recommend you join that because we are having the annual conference in my hometown, Tampa, Florida, this November, and Mr. Gurley is going to be doing a breakout session. What are you talking about? We're going to talk about commercial insurance sales. And that sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think there's going to be a lot of really talented people that are going to be speaking. There's a lot of, lot of good topics, people talking about technology and different things like that. But what I really want to talk to people about is what happens when you get in the room with a person? How do you qualify those people? And the biggest mistakes that people make in our business, and I will go ahead and lay out what I think the number one mistake is for most producers. And it is that we go into these meetings and we talk about how great our agency is, how long we've been, in, how long we've been in business. We talk about how we can shop your rate with all these different insurance companies. And that's really a value proposition that's been put on us by so many different people through the years. I mean, everything from like trusted choice. We have choices. We, we're not capped. We'll call we're that not, hashtag, hashtag leg humper. <laughs> hashtag leg humper. Yeah, and we we could do a whole shop talk series on 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 one liners that all producers should know. That's next. You just gave it. You just gave me the next one. Thank you, sir. I told you that's how it would work out. So, yeah, I just think that we all we spend so much of our time, David, trying to get hired, and we talk about all the benefits and how great we are, and and we we know this, and we have all these processes or whatever, and that's the way that we talk, but. But we fail to do what I think is the very most important thing is getting your competition fired, getting your competition fired, because in order for for me to get hired or for you to get hired, it means that somebody else has got to get fired. And I know that that probably seems like something that's very obvious. But if you're sitting in the room with a prospect 
and you're talking about all these things about your agency, and they're like, yeah, 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 sounds good. They're thinking about that. They're not thinking about the phone call that they're going to have to make to their current representation to say, hey, I'm not working with you anymore. I'm working with somebody else. So I think that's the biggest mistake that we make, especially in, in middle market insurance. Well, I can tell you that somehow I slipped through the cracks, and they're letting me speak in innovation too. And I'm going to talk for... 90 minutes in two 45-minute sessions is the second-day keynote, and I'm talking about the sales process, and I'm talking about sales psychology, and my stuff, contrary to how I normally operate, is more broad-based. It's going to be for literally everybody there, and we know that at Innovation, you got one of everything. Like That's the cool part about it is... Everybody, the qualification is, do you own an agency? Yes or no. And if you're an agency owner, then you're there. And so it's a great way to learn from other people in other um, areas of the insurance arena, different shapes, different sizes, people that uh, have been there, done that, that you can steal some stuff from, and you know, people that are behind you that you can share with, and it makes it really cool. So I encourage everybody, if you're an agency owner listening to this and you're not involved in IAOA, Look for the independent, look for IAOA on Facebook. If you happen to go to their page, there's a link that you can join the group from there. And then um, once you do that, sign up because there's, I mean, it's it's a limited window to get the early bird pricing that they have. And I can't think of a better venue, man. The, the JW and the Marriott Waterside here in Tampa are absolutely beautiful. It's a destination place in November and stay at the host hotel. That's the only other recommendation I would give everybody is make sure you stay at one of those two Marriott's under the room block because the real magic at any one of these conferences happens there. It happens in the halls. It happens in the in the uh, the, the common areas where people are, are sitting, talking after hours. That's where the relationships are formed. And that's where deals get done, and that's where you know information's change, exchanged that changes the way somebody thinks and, and subsequently runs their business. So I know that I live in Tampa, Florida, and I'm still staying in the host hotel <laughs> because I want to be there where everybody else is, and I don't want to miss out on that time because I have to drive home. So my wife and I have a sitter, and we're uh, we're hanging out. So Ashley Gurley coming. You know what? Ashley Gurley is coming. And there we go. crazy enough, November 5th is our 10-year anniversary. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get us uh get us a table at I think it's Burns, right? Yeah. And she's gonna come with me. We're gonna have an awesome dinner out there in Tampa together. Make and, sure you uh, book the dessert room too. Well, listen, it, when it comes to booking high quality experiences there's nobody i lean on more than you because <laughs> because, because es especially in your own town you, you know what the deal is so uh yeah, I'll, i mean I look man burns is burns is one of those landmark places right i mean i, I yeah. will tell you going in if you're going and you're expecting to have the absolute greatest steak that you've ever had in your life you're going to be sorely disappointed is the steak mm. good yes is it above average probably People don't go to Burns for that. People go to Burns for the experience. It's a dining experience. And now that things have opened back up, the way that it's funny, man, it used to be um, when all the carriers would come to town, that's where they wanted to go. 
on their expense account. So they take us to dinner there. It's like four or five hours. Like you'd show up for a seven o'clock dinner. You know, you'd have your wine before dinner. You'd eat your dinner. Then you'd do a tour of the kitchen and they walk you through showing you everything. Like legitimately, they have a saltwater aquarium in the kitchen and the fish that you ate wow. came from that aquarium. <laughs> like it was wow. swimming like a minute or two before they zapped it and took it out to cook it for you. Then they take you to the wine room and you go through the wine cellar and you see their million bottles of wine that they have. Mm -hmm. And then they take you upstairs to the dessert room and that's where you finish the night. When you walk into the place, it looks like a whorehouse. Like it legitimately, I mean, as far <laughs> as what I can tell from what whorehouses look like on movies, I should say. You walk in and it's like got red velvet wallpaper, man. It's just the craziest <laughs> thing but everybody should go there at least once and you need to try and get your reservation sooner than later because they book months in advance so i'd get on that man well i'll definitely i'll definitely be working on that my wife knows that i i love the insurance business and i love insurance agents and when i told her that the innovation was the same day as our as our anniversary she was like well we just gotta go we'll just do our anniversary in tampa i mean yeah yeah <laughs> i mean the Listen, if I'm if I'm looking at Tampa, no offense to the people in Warner Robins or Perry, Georgia, but I mean, if I'm looking for a great place for an anniversary, I'm going to have a water view of the room. I'm going to take her out to the nice, you know, steak dinner. That's it. Game yeah. over. Memorable it, it, anniversary. Definitely, definitely. I, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm so happy that she's put up with me for ten years. I, I, I just, <laughs> Oh, this is a big one too, man. This is the 10. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. She put up and in next year's years. innovation, ladies and gentlemen, Josh Gurley's work, uh, breakout session will be how to convince your spouse to go to an insurance conference on your 10th anniversary. <laughs> Everybody can <laughs> learn that one. So listen, I want to dive into this because we try and keep shop talks relatively short, you know, around 20 minutes. But, you know, you brought up a good point. I think it's something everybody does um, at some stage in their career. I mean, I know I'm guilty of it early in my career until I figured it, figured out what I needed to do. But you're right. I mean, we spend so much time trying to figure out how to get ourselves hired that we don't ever try and figure out how to get the competition fired. And there's a lot of ways that you can do that. That's certainly what I do. I mean, I don't, it's funny, man, because people always want to know, like, what do you take in when, when you go in to meet with somebody? What kind of marketing materials, this, that, and the other? You know what I take most of the time? A flipping a legal pad, <laughs> you yep. know, a legal pad that's got the questions that I want to ask them on there. If they want to know anything about my agency, I'm happy to share it with them on their command, right? They need to ask me those questions. I think that for the most part in the middle market, for all practical purposes, it's a foregone conclusion that your agency is capable of handling their business, right? I mean, if if, if you walk in like you belong there, if, if you get the appointment and you walk in like, hey, you know, I run this place, <laughs> not necessarily, but, you know, you're, you're just like everybody else that I represent, that gets a lot of that out of the way, right out of the box. Truthfully, people don't want that crap. You know, they're going to throw it away anyhow, you know, so... I don't focus on my agency at all. I just think that that's assumed that my agency can handle it. And if they have specific questions around what my agency can or can't do, then they can fill in the gaps after I'm done asking questions. And I think that that's important. And so for me, there's a couple of things, and I'm interested in how you handle this. But 
I'm always prepared before I ever walk in. Like I have a meeting before the meeting with my team. If I'm going to take anybody from Florida Risk with me the day before, or sometimes if it's early the next week, we'll do it on a Friday so that we have the weekend to think through some things. But we'll just sort of sit down and say, what are the things that you think need to be brought up? What are important? What are, you know? And, and I want my team, I use it most of the time as a, a teaching experience for them too. <clears throat> if I've gotten some level of insurance information, if we've gotten policies or deck pages or anything, I want them to review that and then come back to me and say, this is what I've noticed. Here, there's something here. There's something here. So I can kill two birds with one stone. But I like going in, and I've said this at least two dozen times, like an attorney that's going into a deposition. When I sit down to prepare for a new business meeting, I start at the top of a legal pad with my number one question, whatever that's going to be. And then I anticipate if I ask this question, they might say this. And if they say this, then I want to ask this and this is follow up, or they may say this, or they may say this. And it looks like a big tree diagram by the time I'm done. And it may be five or 10 pages worth of questions, but I feel like if I go in and I ask the right questions, it answers everything about my agency. It also gives me the information that I need. And part of the reason that I do it that way, and I'm very clear about establishing this when I walk in, that first meeting is as much for me to determine if they're going to be a good client for me, as well as it is for them to determine if I'm going to be a good you know, relationship for them. And I want to make sure they understand that. I don't do that in a cocky or an arrogant way, but I'm at the stage of my career where my time is valuable at this point. And if you're going to be somebody that's a pain to deal with and a drain on my resources, probably not going to be a good fit. I'm trying to run a profitable business. If you don't respect total cost of risk and risk management, and you're not willing to implement safety recommendations or do the other things that need to be done, not going to be a good fit for me. So I want to get that out of the way as quick as I possibly can. And so... I, that's how I start the meeting. I just let them know, hey, I appreciate you coming in. You probably think this is going to be a lot of talk about insurance. I'm sorry to disappoint you. You know, it's not. I really am not really overly worried about, you know, your insurance piece. And let me explain why before you think that I'm just blowing you off. That's typically not where the problems are. The problems are somewhere else in your operations. And that's what I need to fix before I can fix the insurance problem. Now, I'm going to apologize in advance for my peer group because they've probably come in in the past and immediately told you, oh, well, you have this problem. I can sell you a policy for that, or I can sell you a policy for that. That's not the that's not the philosophy I subscribe to. I subscribe to you taking calculated risk and understanding that if you can transfer risk contractually, or you need to buy an insurance product, or you can retain some risk in the form of a higher deductible or whatever else, I want to have those discussions and let you make an educated decision. But before I can even make recommendations, I really have to understand what it is you're doing, how you got to where you're at, and some of the things you've done to try and get out of where you're at. And that's it. And then I go down the road and start asking a bunch of questions. But I think that when you set it up that way, it's a much more productive meeting, right? And I, I also yeah. tell them up front, you know, at it, 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 the beginning of that meeting, I'm not here to try and sell you anything today. Not going to try and sell you anything at all. You may come to the realization that you would like to work with me based on how this meeting goes, but this isn't the meeting where, where we try and sell anything. We're going to talk, and then I want to be able to come back and let you take us for a test drive, and you're going to give me some information, and I'm going to work on whatever it is you gave me, whether that be an experience mod analysis or whatever, and then I'm going to come back to you and present work product, and I will let you know that I'm going to ask you to hire me then. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think 
<clears throat> I think a lot of that, uh, just just kind of rambling on about your agency and, and, and doing all the things to try to get hired, I, I, I totally agree. I think it comes from not being that prepared. And then the other thing I'll say, I think when you're in the meeting with somebody, if you talk more than they do, then, then, then you fail. Because what you really want is you want them to talk, you want to listen, because there's multiple different personality types, whether it's a commander, whether it's an engineering type, whether it's an amiable type. It just depends on the type of person that you're talking to. And then you can try to be that chameleon and, and try and we're saying all the same things, right? But we're just changing it just a little bit based on the personality of, of who we're talking to. And, and what I tell people when I talk with them is the same thing. I say, hey, I'm not asking you to hire me today. There will come a day that if we continue to go down the road that I'm going to ask you to hire me. Uh, you know, That's not today. But the good news is it's going to be abundantly clear that you should or you should not hire me based on how our next couple meetings go. And, and that, because I just think going and talking about, well, you know, you like hunting, I like hunting, you like fishing, I like fishing. I mean, I mean, I think these are all great things. And David, we've <laughs> talked about, I mean, we've talked about this before offline, but I'm not there to be their best friend. You know, yep. I, I, I'm there to be, to, to be that person that when, when I walk, I, I just got done meeting with somebody and, and he said, look, the reason that I'm hiring you today, I got a stack full of papers on my desk. He said, the reason that I'm hiring you is because of the advice that you've given me. I mean, it, it's just... Best talking. compliment we could ever get, man. I don't want somebody hiring me because I know how to shoot a turkey. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, while that's a, a great skill for wilderness survival, it's not going to help you survive in the middle market. And, and, and listen, I don't want people to automatically think I'm poo-pooing relationships. Relationships are important, but to me... That relationship builds over time and it builds after the fact and it's not built to get the business. It's built because of the execution and the results you've gotten for somebody. I'd be an absolute hypocrite if I said I didn't have really good friends that were also some of my best clients. But those people weren't my friends and then became my clients because they were my friends. They were my clients and said, I need to hang out with this guy a little bit. He seems to have his act together. He gives good advice. These are the kind of people we want to surround ourselves with. And so, you know, I do have personal relationships with my clients, but it's never what gets the deal done. It's always, and, and usually it's a couple of years in before that even happens. People are so standoffish, right? You don't want to, you don't want to bring somebody close that's a vendor or a service provider because then you're scared you may have to fire them one day too. And so once they realize, okay, this guy is executing literally every single time on every single thing he said, I think we're safe here, then, then they're willing to do that. I mean, because I, what I found is, you know, a lot of people that own, own middle market companies or are decision makers in, in middle market companies really, I don't want to say they struggle for making friends, but they don't, they don't always seem to have a lot of interaction outside of anything other than work. And so if you can sort of cross that over and have that, what I would say, a hybrid relationship where you do have the ability to go out with one of your clients and their wife for dinner with your spouse one night, then that's good. And it gives them a, a safety valve and a relief too, because they may not do that otherwise. They, they may not have those kinds of relationships. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that that it's a lonely place a lot of times for 
I mean, if you own a if you own a company and you have two or three hundred employees, um, everybody in town knows who you are. You're the biggest employer in the whole town. I mean, there's a lot of pressure for those kind of people, and a lot of those a lot of those people they like to fly they like to fly under the radar. And I mean, I've even found that a lot of people that have big companies in small towns they want to deal with somebody that's not even in their town for that very reason. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of times I can come in as an outsider and just say, hey, listen, I'm not a guy that you're going to see at Rotary Club. I'm not the guy that you're going to see at all these different places, but I'm going to be thinking about you. You know, I'm going to be working for you in, in, the, in the background, and then we're going to grow our relationship professionally. I mean, we should feel the same way as any attorney or any accountant feels. I mean, you know, you talk to people and they're like, this has been my accountant for however many years. And the deal is, if you hire a $200 an hour accountant, you get $200 an hour work. If you hear, if you hire a $400 an hour accountant, you get $400, you know, an hour work. And I can tell and, you, and you end up paying less, by the way, for those and, of you who are wondering how that math works out. When you hire a more expensive attorney, if you get past the fact that they're more expensive per hour, they actually have been there, done that. They operate more efficiently. And if you look at the amount of time it takes them to get the same things done. You probably spend less money and get better results. Absolutely, totally with you. I've already, I've always subscribed to that. I mean, <clears throat> I tell people, and again, I mean, some of it you have to just have a set, man. You have to. I mean, when you walk in, you have to go in like you're the one that they should hire, and that you're not going to compromise on your uh, on your worth, right? And I'd let people know, look, if you want the if you want somebody to place cheap insurance for you, I'm not your guy. Like I'm 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 not who you want to talk to. Now, if you want somebody that's gonna come in and give you sound operational advice and how to reduce your total cost of risk, control your experience modification factor, and do all of the other things that you need to do to increase your profitability, I'm hundred percent the guy you need to talk to. Not only have I helped X, Y, and Z companies, and I always name several that are you know recognizable to them, preferably in their industry. But I've I've done it with the smaller and I've done it with the larger. So I know what the ones have, have gone through that started out with two people in a truck in their garage and grew to, you know, tens of millions of dollars in sales. But I also understand what needs to happen when they're at that tens of millions of dollars worth of sales. And so that's who I like, man. I want a company that's looking to grow. You know, they're not they're not like, hey, you know, we're at twenty million, we're good. We're just gonna hang here for a few years and then maybe we'll we'll push the needle. No, I want people who push the needle every day because I push the needle every day. And otherwise we're just not gonna we're not gonna gel ever. Yeah, and I'll tell you this for everybody that's listening, there's there is little to no difference between a two thousand dollar revenue account and a and a twenty thousand dollar revenue account, except there's a few more trucks, there's a little bit more sales, maybe some more a little bit more complexity, but at the end of the day, is people. I mean, we're talking to other people about well, the difference. The difference is you're going to work just as much for 2000 in revenue. Right. You know, if I have a choice and they say, David, it's going to take you 40 hours on this account. <laughs> now this one's going to pay you 2000 in revenue, or you could spend the same 40 and you could work for this one and it's 20,000 in revenue. You don't have to do anything different on either of the two. Same kind of work, nothing crazy. You're experienced in doing this. You're not going to have to learn anything new today. Which one am I going to pick? I'm going to pick the 20,000. And people, I, I think that part of the reason, I think part of the reason that people don't go in confidently and 
immediately begin to talk about their own company as opposed to asking the questions is because that's their defense mechanism. They're insecure. The one thing they know better than anything else is their agency or what they can do personally. Right. And so that's why I tell people, you know, when I work with a newer producer in Killing Commercial, the number one thing I have to do is I got to get them to believe in themselves first. Like if I can, if I can get them to believe they belong, the rest of it's easy. But I think we go in and we're insecure in ourselves or we have no real value proposition. So we can't really talk about that. There is no differentiating message at that point. And then you're in the death spiral, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this thing is not that hard, man. It's, it's, just, it's just not that hard. And, and I think that people, they want to overcomplicate it. They want to buy tools. They want to buy technology. And I'm not saying those things, you know, haven't helped me, but it, it's it's just air support for the ground troops, as my partner Waylon would say. Um, at the end of the day, you know, we do this in the room with people. We're in the people insurance business, and uh, and people buy insurance from people. So that's what I got on that. So talk to me, man. You're going in. You're going to get the competition fired. What's the what's the stage look like that you're setting? So when, when I'm talking to somebody. Um, and I'm mostly listening to them, hearing about their business, trying to figure out what their leadership style is. It really all comes down to uh, a couple things. At the end of the meeting, I'm going to say, hey, I, I think this was a good meeting. Uh, I appreciate your time. I know we prepared for this. It sounds like you prepared for this. Uh, so in order to take the next step, I'll, I want to make sure that we get on the same page because I think that's important. And the first thing I'm going to ask for is access to information. And it's not because I'm trying to collect their deck pages or I'm trying to collect their policies or anything like that, or I'm trying to copy what the other person's doing, or I'm trying to look at the premiums. It's just a test. It's a test to see if I ask you for something, are you going to send it to me or not, right? And, and so I'm going to ask for some information. I'm going to put, and it's not just going to be insurance policies. It's going to be things like, I'd like to see your employee handbook. I'd like to see your safety manual. I would like to see, um, you know, copies of, of what does your incident reporting system look like. You know, we're going to, I'm going to ask for all those different types of pieces of information um, for somebody, and, and either they're going to say, hey, yes or no. And then I'm going to ask for access to people. And I'm going to say I need access to the people that can get me that information. I'm going to need access to you as the decision maker. And side note, don't ever present to anybody that can't make the decision, right? Because nobody can present better than you can. And so if you're talking to the to the gatekeeper and the gatekeeper's getting you all the information, and then you go present to the gatekeeper and you don't get the deal, don't be surprised. Um, and then the next thing that you have to have to figure out is who else is working on this. And, and what I tell people is my recommendation for you would be to interview some people and decide who you want to work with. Yeah, I think but, I think that's huge because if you go in – so my philosophy's changed a little bit on this over the years. If, if I'd call somebody and say, you want to bid, have an opportunity to bid our insurance this year, I'd automatically be out. I'd say, nope, not interested. You don't speak the way that I need to speak. I've changed that. I've softened my stance because I feel like – you lose an opportunity if you just automatically disqualify them. I'm not going to tell you that 100% of the time that I go in, I can bring them over from the dark side. But 
you you have an opportunity to educate that person on why bidding their insurance every year is a bad idea, especially if their mod is off, if they're having bad work comp you know performance, if they're having other performance issues and they're switching agencies and carriers on a regular basis, you have the ability to go in and make a cogent argument about why that's not good. And if you educate them fully and they still don't pull the trigger, then they're not your client. They're not, they're not somebody you want anyhow. But don't, don't just automatically discount it on the front end because I've had several over the course of the last several years that I've been able to go in on a first meeting where if I would have listened to those pre-qualification buzzwords like bid, quote, all of that, and I chose not to take the meeting, I would not have had those accounts. And, and I can tell you, it, it, it's not like millions of dollars, but it's at least six figures in revenue that I've been able to sway over into my book over the course of the last four or five years because I decided to start taking those meetings. Now, you'll go post in the you know interwebs and people will say, oh, no, not your client, client, price buyer, blah, 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 blah. You know, okay, fine. Let those people not take the meetings. It just increases your chance in the in the competition pool to go out and get it. But you have to go in, again, prepared. You have to go in ready to educate. You have to go in ready to ask questions. And it's like, you know, my, my number one question is, out of curiosity, why have you chosen this method? Right? Most mm -hmm. of the time, it's because that's how we taught them to do it, is the insurance agency or the insurance industry, rather. It's not because they think it's the best or they've studied it and they've looked at the effects of it. It's because this is how it always got done. You know, the lady that was in the desk before me did it this way. So I just did it the same way she did. That's a perfect time to say, well, let's talk about maybe a better way for you to look at this. And I'm happy to educate, you know, educate you. In fact, I'm not even sure that I would be willing to work with your firm right now. But let me explain to you another way of doing this that might make more sense to you. And I'm, I'm, I'm not just trying to get the incumbent fired. I'm trying to get everybody else out of the way before we ever go down the road. And I think that that's a big difference between how I sell and how a lot of other people in our industry sell. It's never about the insurance transaction. In fact, I won't even work on the insurance transaction unless I'm already hired. So you're hiring me based off of what I've learned about your company, what the solutions are that we have the ability to provide, and we will then go and begin to implement those. And the way we get paid is to place the insurance, but I'm not competing against anybody. And if people don't think that that's a compelling argument, it certainly is. Because if you go in and you sell a value proposition, like that's all you have to sell, then you don't even bring the insurance into the equation and people begin to think, well, what will this cost? What will this cost? Well, if you wanted to hire me on a fee-for-service basis, it would probably run you between forty dollars or $50,000 a year to bring us in and do this kind of work. But I've got good news. I can use money you're already spending to fund the project. You just have to allow me to do that. And here's what that looks like. And then we begin the conversation about why I need to handle the insurance and how it's most effective if I'm the one controlling the marketing and negotiation and placement of coverage and all of the other stuff that goes with it. Yeah, I mean, you should you should never run away from a from a meeting. I mean, I don't I don't think that that somebody should ever say Oh, well, I'm just going to write them off as a price shopper, right? And, and just a little side note, I was reading a thread about E&O insurance and people were talking about how <laughs> they were price shopping their E&O their e insurance. And I, I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, I mean, 
okay. I mean, you complain about your clients price shopping you, but then you, you, I mean, somebody said they bought their E and O insurance from from Next. I was like, you bought your E and O insurance on the internet. I mean, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll just <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, I, I think that like like to your point, I mean, you should never run away and and you know say, oh well, they're just a price shopper. I mean, this is your opportunity to stand out in the crowd, right? It's your opportunity to to allow them to understand how the process works, how the market reservation system works, and and let them know that if you're an agency that has the kind of bandwidth that most agencies have, that my agency has or your agency has, it's really not a game of markets. I mean, we can get to all the markets, right? It's, it's just that, you know, this is this is what I can do for you. This is how things have been going for you. I think these are some fireable offenses. I mean, even things like I've even seen stuff, and, and these are from big brokers, ABC houses, right? And people th- people don't have the confidence to to go up against some of these big houses. But I mean, I, I have seen people have literally have drug free workplace certificates. And if you're not from the, it's mostly a a southern thing, but. I've literally seen people have drug-free workplace certificates in a frame on the wall. You open up the policy. The policy has some <laughs> ABC house on it, and the credit is not on the workers' comp policy. And like no drug-free, no safety. And in Florida, we have the contractor's premium adjustment program. That one's never on there. If you're in a any kind of thing, anything remotely close to a contracting class, that's another credit that's never on the policy ever. Exactly. And, and so it's all about finding those, those fireable offenses. And, you know, Florida is a little bit different than Georgia with the aggravated inequities. But still, you know, moving forward, we still have some things that, that we can do to help remedy some situations on the work comp side. And then, and then all of a sudden, we're not even talking about going and getting quotes anymore, Right. And and, all, and we're just talking about how we can help somebody, how we can help somebody's business. And I think that's really one of the best opportunities uh, when they say, when you ask, "Hey, who else is working on this?" To really differentiate yourself and just start getting that information together, start reviewing that stuff, and then and then it helps you, I think, present in a much better way. And it all it it also prepares them for the BOR, right? Yep. It pre- it prepares them for the BOR. And and then it's that process of getting the person fired. And then the, then the very last thing, the fourth thing, is this: is you just have to you have to look somebody in the eye, and you just have to say, Mister Prospect, or as I like to call him, potential future client. Um, in order for me to get hired, then that means that somebody else has got to get fired. And then it really helps if you know the producer's name. I mean, at that point, I try to make it as personal as I can. Uh, because I try to put a face with it. I try to try to make it as human as possible and then just, you know, and just say, look, in order for you to hire me, you have to fire David. Now, who would, who would ever fire David? Right. But my point is, my is, wife, or- most days, <laughs> but for, to hire Josh, you have to fire David. And is there any reason that, that you couldn't do that? I mean, is this your brother-in-law? Do you, do you just have too long of a relationship or whatever? Um, and and just be willing to be strong enough and bold enough to ask that question, um, and it's going to help you so much. I mean, I don't know what the average closing ratio is in this industry, but 
I would imagine it's probably 50% or, or lower. Um, but I would say just going through this process will take your closing ratio uh, up to 85, 90, 95%. I mean, it just, it's, it's worked for me. It's worked for me too, people. I mean, you have two guys sitting here whose closing rates are well north of 90%, and we're giving you the roadmap on how you can do this. Quit whoring yourselves out and selling a product for price. Start solving problems, preparing, being ready for that meeting, planning, and then knowing what to do to course correct if things don't go your way when we're in there. We're going to wrap this episode up, and we're going to come back next week, and we're going to talk about the one-liners. I can't wait to hear that because I know you're going to jog my memory of some that I haven't haven't thought about in a while. So we're going to wrap it up. Thanks for coming on, Mr. Gurley. Everybody have a great weekend. See ya. been listening to power producers shop talk you can follow us at the power producers podcast on facebook and instagram and if you want to take your game to the next level check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book the extra two minutes